I love a good story, especially a God story that expands my understanding of His goodness and His ways. Thanks for joining in today. I'm Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares International in America, author and traveler on this journey of faith. Jeremiah 29:11 has always been a favorite of mine. The New Living Translation version says, "For I know the plans I have for you," says the Lord. "They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope." My guest Kathy Bernard has experienced the plans of the Lord in her life, and they have been quite interesting. The mother of six, Kathy's been married to her husband, Daniel, for almost 40 years. They've been pastors, missionaries, co-founded Somebody Cares Tampa Bay, which is a chapter of Somebody Cares America. They co-authored a book on marriage and co-produced a Christian film. That is a lot of different things. Well, Kathy, you sound like Superwoman. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be with you. So, Kathy, you came to Christ at a young age and decided pretty quickly that you wanted to be in full-time ministry. Tell us how you met Jesus and what your concept of ministry was at that young age. Well, I grew up in a Christian home. I was around church and Bible and Jesus and everything. Coming to the Lord at nine years old was um, not unusual. In fact, I still remember I have a twin brother, and uh, we both accepted the Lord, got baptized the same time. And uh, so I accept the Lord and started on my journey pretty early. Um, as far as uh, concept of ministry, I think my parents ministered in this church for 40 years. So I, I never knew anything else. We always went to the same church. We actually lived in the same house all my life. So everything was pretty much uh, the same all the time in my life until I got out of high school. It's remarkable that as a pastor's kid, you didn't really go through a major rebellion that some do. I remember going to church camp and, you know, we always have those around the fire testimony times. And I would sit there going, man, I don't have a testimony because all these people are talking about how bad they were and how rebellious they were and how they hated their parents. And I'm sitting there going like, well, uh, that's not how I feel. My parents are pretty good and I don't feel like doing that. So I, you know, really learning that you do have a testimony, even if you haven't gone through the bad, knowing that, Hey, I could find the Lord, be centered and he'd be my compass at the early age so that I didn't make all the bad mistakes. And that is such a testimony. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I received Jesus when I was six. I went through a couple of rebellious things when I was a teenager God protected me from so many things that just devastate young women and young men in their lives that, you know, we didn't have to experience, which is a test, amazing testimony unto itself and should be encouraging to anyone out there with kids, you know, that God can protect your kids from all the things that are going on in the world today, which seem to be out of control sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You had a wonderful safe plan, but it wasn't really God's plan once you got out of high school and uh, God started switching things around on you when you headed to college and graduate school. Did that stretch you? What happened? I was all set to go to a Christian college um, in Atlanta. I was accepted. It was the summer before I was to go. And then I got a phone call from my uncle. He is a professor at a startup college in Florida. And he called me, he said, Kelly, why don't you consider coming to my college? And all of me was like, a new college, that means no campus, not a lot of people, you know, in the other one is like, it's all established, lots of people, lots of guys, lots of programs. So I was like, no, I don't want to, that's, that's a lot of change. And you know, I hadn't had much change in my life. So I told him I pray about it. And so I know it was a God thing because God changed my mind. And I did go to that that college, the startup college. God has a way of changing us even when we have our plans all set out. And even though that's, that college was small, it was good for me because it grew me into a leader that stretched me um, because I couldn't hide in the, in the crowd. You know, I had to be stretched and grow. So um, that was good. And that was the beginning of changing me 
So then, then you went on for more school and what were, what were you studying? Were you studying to be a pastor? What were you studying? Um, my degree, I had a general Bible degree and then I decided to go to Ohio and I studied, uh, got a master's in Christian education and counseling. So I, I always wanted to, when I was younger, I, I already had decided I want to be in ministry. My hope was someday I can marry a pastor and be in ministry like my parents. All of the training and stuff was like, okay, of course, it'd be nice if I have some Christian education and some counseling, you know, so you have a little bit of everything to do ministry. So, yeah. Yeah. So things were going along pretty well on that track. Uh, But then you met a dashing young man in graduate school who became your husband, Daniel. And you said Daniel was really a pioneer when you were a settler. So... What was your courtship like and what was your dream together initially? Well, we met in one of our classes and uh, he, he basically saw my picture on a wall. They were advertising graduate school and I was happened to be um, spotlighted and he goes, oh, she's from Florida and I'm from Florida. Maybe we can get together. So we got together and, you know, my first thing, I'm just thinking, you know, here's you know, God's bringing us together because it was a short courtship. Within a year, we had dated, engaged, and married by the end of the year. But uh, both of us were older. I was 24. He was 26. So it wasn't like we were fresh out of high school or anything like that. At first, I thought it was just going to be like, he's going to be a pastor of this suburban church, like my parents, and everything was going to be like my parents. But I, I learned pretty quickly that his makeup is more like I want to start new things and challenges and you know go and you know like a pioneer adventure and all that and of course all I known is just being the same place doing the same thing so that's why I said he was a pioneer and I was yeah you kind of expected stability and he liked to shake things up so I mean that was probably challenging you know as a young wife to have a husband who's always got new ideas coming at you and, and you're just trying to sort of settle into marriage and you were, and you know, you know. We, we had, I mean, most marriages have their, their highs and their lows. And I, I remember one time, I think we were having, uh, having some doctrine discussions and stuff and he was really riding hard about it. And we even, there was another analogy I came up with that he was being a rancher instead of a shepherd, you know, that he was trying to push, you know, like you, you push the cattle and you herd the cattle and, and it's not good for people to do that. And just trying to tell him, Hey, you know, as a shepherd, you lovingly, you know, take time and patiently love that person and help that person, you know, whether you're having talks or issues or whatever it is, that's always stood out to him. He'll even say to this day, I, yeah, I remember that conversation of that I need to be a shepherd and not a rancher. Um, right after graduate school, you guys started pastoring a church? In fact, Daniel was actually pastoring it before we got married. He was going to graduate school and he would drive the weekends um, over to Kentucky about 40 minutes to a small country church. And then when we got married, we were only there sh- a short amount of time before we actually moved to Texas to do ministry. Okay, and what did you do in Texas? We went to this church, this old church that had been through lots and lots of pastors. And we thought we would go and boy, we're just going to change the world and get this church on track. Did it work out that way? (laughs) No, it didn't work out that way. Yeah, that was the start of more changes. We um, actually left the church and started another church that led to street work and, and more stuff. So yeah, it didn't turn out the way we thought. God had other plans. That's all I can say. What are some of the lessons the Lord taught you during that period of pastoring? Because you didn't stay pastors, but I'm sure some of the foundational principles that you needed later in life were established there. One of the things that was a hard lesson to learn is that I look back and I look at my parents and and being in ministry, they protected me from a lot. You know, I didn't know a lot of stuff. There was people in churches, but now looking back, that were maybe um, difficult situations. And, you know, they didn't come home talking to us around the kids about all the 
issues of the church. And then when you're in ministry for yourself, you see all the issues. You see the all the good, bad, and the ugly. And just learning that, um, especially having gone through uh, that church split where we split off because the leadership wasn't going in the same direction. And just the hurt and the pain that you go through. That was hard because I never had been through that before. Um, and, and learning that ministry, you know, sometimes you have in your mind that ministry is this glorious, people will kind of put you on the pedestal and say, oh, it's such a glorious thing. And sometimes it's really messy and ministry is hard. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, uh, I've worked in Christian ministry my whole career, really. And, uh, I remember being at one ministry that I was working at and, seeing stuff go on, you know, I mean, everyone there's Christians, everyone there, you know, is supposed to be emanating Christ and, you know, just garbage going on between people. Yeah. And I just remember the Lord kind of this revelation coming to me. And I don't remember if it was through somebody speaking at chapel or what, what it was, but it was like, you know, we are still in the transformation process. This is not heaven. Yep. And so we can't expect it to be like heaven. And we have to, I mean, part of that process is learning to forgive mm -hmm. and learning to be humble when we mess up because, you know, particularly in a, in a work or ministry situation where you're supposed to be the leader, when you mess up, it's, it's really hard to be humble and go back and say, hmm, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Yeah. But unless we do that, we're not allowing ourselves to be conformed into the image of Christ. You know, I mean, he gave up heaven and came, you know, humbled himself to be among us. Of course, he never sinned. He never had to right. say he was sorry. But, you know, that's what we have to do if we're going to make it. And really, that's that's the only way our heart can be healed from some of the hurts we go through, too. So eventually, you guys even left Texas and you packed up and you moved across the world to Nigeria I remember when I was young, I used to think, you know, God, I'll just go anywhere and do anything for you, but please don't send me to Africa. You know, in my mind back then when I was little, it was like, you know, the lions are going to come and drag you out of your hut and eat you and you know, God anywhere but there. You know, I know it's not the way there now and I've been to Africa and it's, it's a wonderful people there. But, you know, back when I was little, I was like anywhere but Africa, God. How did you first decide to go to Nigeria, which I mean, today, that is not a safe place for Christians to be. We hear almost every day about attacks on Christians, particularly in the north of Nigeria. Yep. So how did you do that? And, and you know, what was that like for you as a mom? And by this time you had small children? I mean, that is a huge change. You know, it's interesting to look back and look at things because I know little by little God was, was making changes in me because we went from a suburbia church and and then we did street work so little by little he was helping me to make change or I probably would have never said yes to my jury how it happened is we were in Bryan College Station and a lot of the Texas A&M graduates came to our church and it was like a street work type of church and one of them his name was Goodluck and he asked Daniel to go on a mission trip Dan said, hey, I'm going, when I go, I'm just going to be seeking God. So he, he went, it was like for two weeks. And right before he was to come back, I remember standing at the kitchen sink. And God talked to me. And he said, when he comes back, he's going to tell you that you're going to go to Nigeria. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so he came back. And that's what he did. Um, oh, my he, gosh. He kind of mirrored it a little bit because um, Good Luck got engaged over there while they were on the trip. And so he's, he was going to get married. So Daniel comes back. Oh, he wants me to be the best man and, and perform the ceremony. And the, and the wedding's in Nigeria. And we're all going to go. You know, that, that was kind of how he couched into telling me. He was just like, this is going to be a short-term <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> and, you know, really, when we went, we didn't plan on being career missionaries. We thought we're going to go over, we'll establish a work, we'll work with the, the, the national people, we'll get them trained, and then, then we'll leave the work to them. Um, so that was always our plan. When we went, at first, it, to me, was like an adventure. Just a backstory. At this time, I had three kids, and I was about three months pregnant with our fourth. And then when we got there, I was like, 
it, it felt like I was on another planet. I never felt that way because every, you know, usually when you have change, there, there might be a change in your life, but there's other things in your life that's stable. So you say, oh, I, I've changed jobs, but you're still living in the same house and you're still, but this was like totally a new place to live, a new environment, a new way of shopping. I mean, everything. It was And culturally, I mean, yeah. you know, of course people are, you know, basically the same, but they, yeah. their, their style of interaction and their, yeah. what's acceptable in, in society, is, they're all different. Yeah. And I have to say, it was the hardest. We, we were there off and on for six years. It was the hardest time that we went through. Because, and there was even time where we questioned, you know, God, did we really hear from you? Is this really what you want? Because we got kicked out of the country because our visas weren't properly done right. Two of my kids almost died. I got typhoid and almost died. Uh, death threats. Uh, Daniel was pulled out of our house by gunpoint at one time. I mean, we could write a, a book on all the bad things that happened to us. Um, and I remember one time, you know, God was showing us along the way who was with us. And like when I was sick with typhoid and actually I'd had faith. So here's my newborn in the bed with me because I still had to nurse her while I'm sick with typhoid. I was just like, God, am I going to leave four children behind? Am I going to die? It was awful. And God said, you know what? You're not going to die, but you're going to have to go through this. And like, I got down to like a hundred pounds. I looked like I'd been in a concentration camp and, um, I did, we did come home after I went through that to recover and stuff, but it was hard. Ministry is not always easy. And, um, I'd have to say that God does help you in those difficult times. He gives you everything to do the assignment. And I remember all the suffering we went through and years later, um, we trained up 12 guys and they became pastors and, and the work is still continuing today. Um, we have churches over there to schools and, um, and good came, but the overseer of the ministry came to us years later because I wondered for years, like, what was that all about? You know, did, were we effective? Did we do anything? And he said, you know, I remember when I saw you guys suffering. And that always stayed in my mind. And when we, when we finally decided to go to an unreached people group called the Ejo people group over there, he's, he went there. And, and of course, he's not of that tribe. And at first, they tied him up. They were going to kill him. And he had to suffer a whole lot before they, they would receive him into their group. And eventually did because we have churches there now. But he said, when I was going through all that, I just thought, man, if they could suffer like they did, I can suffer too. And that was encouragement that, okay, you know, the things we went through, it was worth it. And now you look back and you go, all the schools and the churches that have been established because we went and we pushed through and, and we did the best we could in the midst of all the, the bad things that happened to us you know, God still worked. Wow. So you had four kids over there and, and you gave birth over there. Uh-huh. Then I came uh, back were you in, and had another were you, baby and went back. Oh, wow. Were you, we back were you living in a city or were you out, no. you know, kind of in a rural area? Or? Yeah. We were living in the city. At one time, we actually went to the north to try to minister to those people up there. Uh, we didn't stay very long up there because where we were staying, they actually ran um, ran out of water and the electricity wasn't working. So it was like you almost had to leave um, because of the situation. It was a experience. <laughs> wow! But God brought fruit out of it. Yeah. So yes, I mean, yeah, it's one of those truths, I guess. Yep. That you know you plant and you may not see a harvest for a while, but. God's faithful to do what he said he would do. Once he starts something, he's faithful to complete it. You came back. A lot of people think missionary. I mean, you know, that's kind of the end game of ministry. That's the pinnacle of Christian ministry. And I think of people like Amy Carmichael and Gladys Aylward, they went to the mission field and they never left. But, you know, you came back to the States. You're back in the States now. So why did you leave Nigeria? We knew we weren't career missionaries, but also... It got to the place that the first time we left is we got kicked out of the country. 
then we went back again. And then, you know, there was death threats on us. It just didn't work out. Now, at that point, we were thinking, have we done enough to establish the work so it could continue? And fortunately enough, these guys, uh, we poured into them. They actually lived in the back um, area of our house. So we, we were with them every single day. They did classes with us. Um, Daniel, you know, they were with him all the time. So those guys stayed in the ministry. I think out of all of them, only one of them left. And he actually went to another ministry and was a pastor. But all of them stayed with it. And then, of course, one of them ended up being our overseer. Unfortunately, last year he passed away. God did it in a short amount of time. That's all I can say because in that time, um, things were established enough that it could continue and, and it has continued. You know, God has always been concerned about the poor and the widows and the fatherless. And Somebody Cares has always provided opportunities for believers to get involved in that, which is why we created the Widows and Orphan Fund. Many pastors and ministry leaders in Muslim areas like Northern Nigeria risk their lives to share the gospel, and some even lose their lives during ministry, uh, leaving widows and sometimes children in desperate circumstances. So as a company of women together, we can do really a whole lot to help them. If you want to join us, go to hergodstory.org and click on Widows and Orphan Fund or Help Now. You'll find out more about it, and you can join us in helping some of these widows who've been left behind or orphans who have special needs or need special nurture to achieve all that God has in store for them in the future. But Kathy, back in the States, God had a whole new adventure waiting for you. Uh, Was it hard for you and your children to transition back to the U.S.? Did you have kind of reverse culture shock? I think it's easier to come back to the States (laughs) than going to another country. I think the biggest thing for me uh, that really kind of irritated me is we had children that would come to our door all the time. They, They weren't clothed. They didn't, they were lucky if they could have a bowl of rice a day. And so when it came back and I would see kids that were complaining about, you know, they had to have a certain kind of cereal or they complained about it, things like that, that would just kind of irk me because I go, man, we are so blessed. And these children would be so thankful for just a bowl of something. So I think for me, that was the hardest. My kids, really, there wasn't that much of a a transition or hard for them. Um, I homeschooled them over there, so they weren't like, um, you know, away from us. They were with us the whole time. But that was something that um, mentally I had to adjust to because we are so blessed in the U.S. We have so many things that we just take for granted, like running water and warm water and being able to go to the store and buy packaged meat and food and stuff and not, you know, worried about flies on your meat in the marketplace, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. One of the things that we uh, often say in our house when people are starting to complain about nothing, we'll <laughs> say, well, that's really a first world problem. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's really not going to affect your life too much. Get over it. We are so blessed in our country, and we are so thankful for the Lord's blessing, and we need to remember that uh, every day for the little things that much of the world does not enjoy Mm -hmm. what we have access to here. So it's hard to get our focus off of what's really important and start complaining about things that aren't really important. But when you got back to the States, God put something new on your heart. What were you doing when you got back? It was a whole new adventure, starting something new. Yeah, when we got back, we were we came from Texas, came to Florida. Both our families live in Florida. So we took six weeks, and we, we just said, okay, we're going to just seek God and see what's next. Because we knew that was it. That was the end of that story, the chapter. And so we were like, okay, God, do you want us to be back in um, like a suburban pastorship or street work? Or what do you want? from us and we prayed for six weeks and and at the day before we were to go back we were like god you haven't said nothing (laughs) nothing and um daniel went uh, the last night we were here he went to preach and he was preaching out of the old testament and um, god told him to look up the 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 meaning of the word ehud which is in the bible and what is it what's the word ehud the man Mm -hmm. and it's a deliverer 
and he's deliverer. And he said, I want you to go back to Tampa Bay and I want you to unify the body of Christ. Now, we didn't know what that meant. We didn't know how to do that. I mean, it's all new. So here we go. Pioneer work. <laughs> Again, That's no, no easy task either. <laughs> so our, our objective is we, we're going to, okay, we're going to come back. We're going to empower and equip and unify the body of Christ to change lives, um, whether it's here in Tampa Bay and beyond. And the first thing we did when we got here, because we didn't know anybody, is we went to the intercessors to see what the intercessors were saying about the area. And they were they were sensing the same thing. And so we thought, okay, um, we're, on, we're on to something. <laughs> Everybody's uh, praying the same thing and believing the same thing. And, and then we just started calling ministries and pastors. I mean, back then it was the Yellow Pages, just calling and um, trying to make our way into the community. And of course that's hard because most pastors and people are like, yeah, let's see who you are, you know, they want to check. Yeah, they want to. They want to really stay, check you out. Or is this a come and go kind of thing? And of course, uh, now this year we're celebrating 25 years of being here. So um, we stayed. <laughs> <laughs> you got to settle a little bit. There we go. We settled a little bit. <laughs> so in all that you've done, I mean, you you even had some challenges with somebody cares Tampa Bay over the 25 years. I mean, you had some triumphs and you've had some challenges. Just share a few stories from these last 25 years in the Tampa area. I'm from Tampa. So, you know, I've always cheered you on for uh, what you're doing there. And uh, in various different times of ministry, I've been able to come alongside you guys. I remember the Supper Bowl event that we did together. Mm -hmm. Into the 90s. And we had like 30,000 people or more that came out for a huge evangelistic festival there. It was even one of the Super Bowl sanctioned events. That was amazing. That was an amazing thing. It it was. Um, You know, the thing is, is, you know, the scripture says that, you know, where there's unity, God commands a blessing. Mm. And we've seen as churches in the body of Christ unifies itself, it it has given us favor in the community. And that was one of the situations in that regard where uh, there was just so much favor. And as a result of that event, um, Daniel actually went to the mayor at that time and that's how we got started with CareFest, which is an outreach to those homeowners elderly people in need that need painting and yard work and stuff like that and that started that program because he said yeah we have a lot of needs in tampa and, and daniel goes well i don't know i don't know how we're going to do it but we're going to figure it out and we'll help meet those needs and he was like we didn't have a program. We didn't have anything. <laughs> so like he's just promising him that we'd help. So as a result, that happened. When we did um, Raise the Roof, it used to be an evangelistic concert at Tro- the Troc. Um, and they actually asked us to come and do that. They called And that was after baseball games, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, it ended up that um, God gave us favor with that as well because later on we said, well, how, how did you get our name? Because we're like nobodies. We're young and little. Oh, we were just going through the phone book and we found you, which we know that was God. Those concerts, God opened up that door. Um, when they did the Book of Hope, uh-huh. came down. We were the yeah, pilots. Yeah, CBN did a big Book of Hope. Yes, that yeah. whole thing. And and they, they, they came down and, and worked with us because they said, you already have these pastors and leaderships um, that are working together. So we want to do that pilot through you guys since you're already established and doing yeah, it. Yeah. And through that, yeah. millions of Gospels of John, were the Gospels yes. of John? Yes. They were actually delivered to millions of homes yes. throughout the Tampa Bay area, yeah. hung on doors with little notes, you know, we want to pray for you and numbers for churches that were local, you know, in their area. And uh, I mean, a lot of people yes, contacted the churches. Yeah and receive Christ or got ministry through that. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, unity, when the church works together, God does amazing things. Yes. And you know, the, a, a side note from that, um, getting back to how I was raised, that was another thing that I had to change, especially in this time that I was raised in, in a denomination that kind of stayed to themselves and didn't really interact with other denominations and groups. 
And so here I am with Somebody Cares, and we're interacting with all these denominations and groups and stuff. So that was a, that was a change for me, too, is that, you know, there's other believers out there. And, and we that, all love Jesus, right? <laughs> right. That follow Jesus. We might have some distinctives, but we all believe in who Jesus says, that he died for us, resurrected, you know, the basic truths that we can... Um, work together with other people. So that was another change in mindset that I had. I had to change a little bit. So in all that you've done, what's been your biggest challenge and what did you learn from that experience? In 2013, our son Luke was in a near fatal car accident and he um, almost died. They, they gave him no hope. And they said, if he does live, <clears throat> he was gonna be a vegetable that it wasn't going to be much life there. So getting that phone call that no parent wants. Um, first, the phone call was that our son was missing and we didn't know where he was. So for hours we were looking for him. And of course, everything goes in your mind of, is he dead? Is he in jail? Is he been kidnapped? I mean, everything goes through your mind. He was across he country at this yeah, point. He, I mean, was he wasn't. In, he was in uh, Los Angeles, seeking to have an acting career. We're fortunate. Well, the good news of it is that God did restore him. It's a miracle story of healing, um, not only physical healing, but Luke was having a problem and struggling with his faith as well. And mm -hmm. so, even before he even woke up, and we knew what physically was going to happen. I was just praying, God, you know, heal him spiritually um, because he's he was struggling. And I go, more than anything, I want him to be right with you, God. Um, yeah. And through this whole process, not only did God heal him physically, but he healed him spiritually. So we have double good news. Yeah. So, I mean, you had to fly across country to California find your son lying there. I mean, he was in his, what, early 20s at that point? Yeah, he was 25. Lying there in the hospital. Uh, I mean, I just can't imagine. Yeah, it was hard. And you know, the, the thing is, is, you know, you think, how are you going to react when you see your son like that? When I went in his room, I mean, it was awful. Tubes everywhere and everything. But I had such a peace. I had such a peace. Um, God, I knew God was there. And uh, from the very beginning, Daniel and I believed that this was not the end of Luke's life, that God had a plan for his life. And so we told people, don't pray, oh, this is whatever God's will is. We said, we want you to pray specific, desperate um, prayers saying, you know, God heal him. Heal him spiritually and physically and, and, and not waver on that no matter what the doctors say because the doctors are not giving us hope so do we believe them but to believe the report of the lord and uh that's and what you had people i mean all around uh, the world praying for luke i mean i remember getting the, yeah. the updates so praying with you all and it was so helpful to have those specific prayer yeah. items so that everyone could pray in agreement i know yeah. i mean i i've recently was diagnosed with breast cancer you know, when I sent out my prayer list to the people who pray with me, I sent out specific things. I wanted them to pray. And one by one, we're seeing those prayers answered. You yep. know, I and was diagnosed real early. So, yeah, but that was help. It's so helpful that we can all pray together and be on the same page. And that's how I started my blog, because um, my daughter says, Mom, you can't answer everybody's questions. And, and that's just too much for you. So why don't you blog what's happening? And it was kind of therapy for me. And what happened was it wasn't just a mere blog of the healing process and pray for this or that, but God showed us so many things along the way, like um, scriptures became alive. And so we wrote, the, I wrote about scriptures. I wrote about people who came, things that happened along the way. And what ended up happening, which I didn't plan on it, but, um, we ended up making it into a book. And so now a lot of people who have struggled with people that are in the hospital or maybe they're going through, it's called a journey through the valley. So it's for anybody who's going through a valley. It might be divorce, yeah. finances or whatever. And I try to tweak it to make it so it relates to other, uh, other people. But how 
we go through journeys, you know, dark valleys, uh, through those um, uh, those valleys in that um, God is there with us. You know, he helps us and gives us everything we need because we're not always living on the mountaintops. I mean, that it's nice when we, those times happen, but uh, the reality is, is we all have those valleys and to be able to know that God says he's never going to leave us or forsake us. In his healing process, his, his the accident happened in March. Mm-hmm. And by the 1st of May, we had flown him home to Florida. Wow. Yeah, he, he had gone through enough rehab that he could fly home. Um, and then God started answering those prayers right away. I know. I know. Because, I, you know, you hear so many. The, the, the whole thing opened up a whole new field of uh, traumatic injury, brain injury. Um, people. And, and so God has led us into ministering to people who are, have gone through those same times so that we can give them hope and encouragement that they might not have the end result as we did, but to know that God is there. He's there with you. He's faithful and he'll give you everything you need to get through that, that, that tough time. Luke, your son had a vision while he was in a coma. No. No. Oh, no. Okay. He had, he had come home and it was like in August. So he came home in May In August, he had a dream. Okay. And, um, if, if you're familiar with brain injury, they have, um, memory loss, especially short memory loss. He, he remembers everything in the past, but the, about six months of his life in LA, he doesn't remember, um, very much. So he was still dealing with remembering and putting sentences together and, all that kind of stuff. But he woke up, he said, I had a full color dream and it's about, and he went into detail about everything. And so I'm like, Hey, that's good for rehab. Let's just write it down. It will help you with comprehension and writing and everything. And, um, since you're remembering all this, just let's hurry and write it down before you forget it. Yeah. Um, and then the next day, what was interesting, he went and shared his testimony the next day in a church. And this guy comes up to him and goes, I really think that you should write a book or do a movie. And so, okay. of course, Luke's like, well, I just started writing down this dream. So within like a month's time, he had come up with a 90 page script. Wow. And Luke's never written. Yeah, it was 90 pages. And like in high at college, he was always struggling like 20 pages, 25 pages. You know, that's all I can do, mom. <laughs> uh, so that in itself for a brain injury person to do that, that's a miracle. Yeah. And and then, of course, that became a book. And then someone read the script in the book and said, man, this has meat on it to make it into a movie. <laughs> there we so go. You and Daniel became movie producers. <laughs> That was like, that's a big, that's a big change from, you know, pioneering uh, mission work in Nigeria to uh, movie producing. I mean, tell us that story a little bit. Being in the movie industry is something else. I tell you, it's uh, corrupt as can be, but you know what? Like I, I said before, God gives us everything we need to accomplish the assignment that he has for us. And, uh, so we had to learn a whole lot because we'd never done it before. And we just said, you know what, when we do this, because this is it, it, the movies inspired by true events that happened to Luke, but the story of it is not real. Okay. And then the message of it is that we're all God's favorite. He loves us and desires a relationship with us. Thus we call it the favorite. Okay. That's the movie is the favorite. The favorite. And we just saw it. You know, because we always kept in our mind, we want good to come out of this terrible thing that's happened to us. Yeah. And and that was what we said before, a book, a dream, a movie. How can we help other people? How can we take our pain and make good come from it? And so this has been a way that we've done it, that we've been able to minister to people because there's a lot of brain injury situations out in the world. People that yeah. slip and fall or have accidents or whatever. And so they can really relate to the story of it because in the movie, there is an accident with brain tra- trauma involved. Um, and so we're able to tell our story and be able to have a, a ministry opportunity in it. And of course, in the whole thing, we said, whatever we do, we want to do this really quality because 
We don't want it to be a typical Christian movie. It's not even labeled Christian because we want the unsaved to see it. Um, it's just inspired by true events. But our thing was, is that we want to bring, we want people to be saved through through the thing. And so we want it to be quality and not them look at it and go, oh, that's a cheesy Christian movie. But sometimes we don't produce, well, you know, good quality stuff like we should. So that's that was our heart in that. And hopefully people who've seen it will say, yeah, that is a quality movie with a good message. But you had to see some miracles along the way to even produce it. I mean, you had to come up with a lot of money mm-hmm. and, you know, you actually had some Hollywood actors involved mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, you had to find camera people. And I mean, when you've never done anything like that before, where do you even look? So yep. I'm sure you had some little miracles along the way or big miracles along the way that. Yep. Yep. Uh, it, God just put, pieced it together. Um, John Schneider, who plays uh, Daniel as a father, he actually, when we contacted him, he was in between stuff. And, and so he had this little sliver of time that he could say yes. And he, he even said, Alyssa, I'm working on writing stuff. So I'm just going to drive my RV down. I'm going to stay in my RV while I'm there wow. and, and do it. And, and then um, the guy, the director actually lives here local. All of our stuff was done local, um, the shots and everything. So God just pro- provided favor with the different locations. They didn't charge money. The church, the, the whole body of Christ in the Tampa Bay area, they helped us in the production. We had to provide food every day for the, the crew. And so each church, we had churches that would come in and bring the food. They had to bring it on time. And afterwards, the, the people were saying, this is the best food that we've ever had on a set. And wow. for them to be on time, because, you know, you lose money if you're not on time with the food. But to be on time, to have the food and all that. I mean, that was an, just another thing. God just orchestrated all the, the um, volunteers, people on the set. Um, for the most part, not the main actors, but the volunteers for the big scenes and stuff. Um, they all came dressed, ready to go. We had plenty that it wasn't in the budget at all. And they were concerned, like, what are you going to do? You don't even have this in the budget to hire people. And we said, no, we're just going to get people from the Tampa Bay area that they're going to look at the what? But every day, whatever we needed, it was always there provided and it was a real witness to the group because a lot of the people um, weren't Christians on this on the crew. And every day we had prayer and we would share something about the real story. And um, the last time we, we shot um, was at our church. And um, at the very end, uh, Pastor Randy had everyone come forward and we prayed. And it, they, they were just blown away by the whole thing. And it was just a witness to them. And the Lord had just been preparing for, you know, 20 years or 15 years at that yes. point, bringing the body of Christ yes. together because he wanted to do an amazing thing that now carries on. So yeah. you distributed it. I mean, how can people see the movie? Because it's been out for a little while now. Right. Um, some people have found it on demand or through their um, TV um, people. If mm-hmm. people want to buy it, they can go through the Somebody Cares website, sctv.org. Um, and purchase it from us. Um, at one time, it was in Walmart. I think it's still on Amazon as well, where you can okay. purchase it. But um, great gift, especially for Father's Day. It's a great gift because it, it deals with father-son relationship. It's been good, though. Um, we're trying to get it to go international now. It is in Spanish. We have shown it some in Spanish um, in different locations, and it's been um, widely received. And some churches are even using it, right, yes. to to for like their movie yeah. nights or yeah. And we have a study guide that goes with it that people can actually, if they want, as a family or a group, talk about the movie, kind of like you Bible studies do tapes with their you know, yeah. That's how it works. So, and you talk about favoritism and how you can, you know, deal with favoritism in your family and and look at what it says in scripture and that kind of stuff. So looking back over your very interesting life so far, it's far from over. So God's got some more adventures in your future, I, I would think. Uh, but what's what's the most important lesson you've learned? 
you know, in my mind, I had a certain kind of ministry in mind. I wanted to mm-hmm. do ministry my way. And that God wants to do ministry through us his way. <laughs> Even in our imperfect, stubborn, rebellious ways, he uses in spite of all that. And I think that that's what I learned because I had it so what I thought I, it, it needed to look like. And it hasn't been like that at all. But I know that anything he asks us to do, he gives us he gives you everything you need to be able to do it. If God had said way back at the beginning of our ministry, oh, you're going to be a missionary to Nigeria, I would have freaked out. And I would say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. there is no way. But little by little, he had me change in my mindset and, and, and how to do things. And that when I got to that place, I was prepared for that. You know, God prepares us to whatever. And like, even, you know, what you said with the movie, you know, by being in the community and somebody cares and ministering to all these churches and people and stuff. Then when it got to the movie, you know, it was easy to go do a collaborative um, body of Christ. Uh, We need you for different things in the movie because we build those relationships, you know, just like the little boy with the fishes, you know, he offered it to God. And God used it and multiplied it and did an extraordinary thing in that situation. I know I look back over my life and I see I've had, you know, a variety of different professions within my career. I've been a computer programmer and I've been an event planner and I've been this and that and the other thing, but all of them have come together to prepare me for whatever God has next for me. And I, I just bring along the the things I've learned from the past professionally, as well as, you know, what God teaches us spiritually uh, for that next thing. So as we wrap up, I love to ask my guests if there's a woman in the Bible whose story has inspired or encouraged or taught you something and how her story relates to your story. One of them is Mary. I think about Mary. A lot of times we think of Mary and we go, oh, that was Jesus's mom. And you think, that's it. I mean, you don't really go deeper into thinking about when she got pregnant, you know, I, I think she was just thinking, hey, I'm a, a young girl and I just I'm going to marry my Jewish husband and we're going to have children and and we're just going to live her life out, you know, kind of like me, you know, have it all planned out. And then all of a sudden there's a big change in her life. Now, she was she was willing to go through that change. She consented to that. To think about on the other side, you know, it, it wasn't easy. There's probably people talking about them. And, and wanting to stone her, even. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. It wasn't easy. And then, you know, not only was she the, the mother of Jesus, she, you know, Jesus had other brothers and sisters. I mean, they had a big family. So she had to take care of all of them. And, and then knowing that, you know, what was going to take place with Jesus. It, she went through a lot of change. You know, yeah. I, I can identify with her. Like I said, each step of the way and those changes, God gave her everything she needed to be able to do that assignment and be the mother of the son of God. So yeah. that's one that stands out to me pretty clear. Well, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And then in verses 12 and 13, further down, it says, you will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles were spread out. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. In many ways, Kathy has lived those verses as she's willing to change and embrace God's plan. Uh, He made things beautiful in his own way and did extraordinary things through an ordinary woman who just said yes. Show notes for today's podcast are on the hergodstory.org website. And uh, we'll have a link to Kathy's books and to the movie. We'll have the scriptures listed. 
And you can also sign up for periodic emails and watch out for a free downloadable devotion that will be out soon. So please take a moment to follow the show, rate it on Apple or Spotify or whatever streaming platform you use. We'd love for wherever you listen and share the story, share the story with friends who might want to enjoy it too. And we'd be honored to pray with you. You can call or text the Somebody Cares 24-7 prayer line at 855-459-CARE, or you can email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. Before we close, Kathy, would you pray for everyone who listens to your amazing God story? Well, Lord, we just um, pray right now for anyone that's listening. Lord, um, sometimes we don't feel like we are adequate enough to be used by you. But Lord, you show in your scripture over and over that you take ordinary people, just simple people who are willing to be used by you. So I just ask that you would encourage someone today that maybe is feeling like um, they can't be used because they don't feel qualified or they don't feel good enough, whatever the reason is, that Lord, that, that you just want them to be willing so that they can be used. And Lord, I ask too um, that you help us to change, to be willing to change. Uh, change is hard. And sometimes we have in our minds everything planned out. For women, it's easy to try to plan everything out and try to control everything. And and Lord, um, that is just a, where we need to allow you to be more um, Lord of our lives. Lord, you've saved us, but Lord, help us to, to allow you to uh, be more in charge of leading and directing us and not to be fearful because you want to give us your best. And sometimes we settle with, with just good stuff, but we could have um, your best by allowing you to work in our lives and help us not to be scared to know that whatever you've called us to, that you're going to be there with us. You are going to give us wisdom and um, give us everything we need to accomplish the tasks that you have for us. And we just thank you, Lord, that you, um, the God of the universe, would want to use us. Mm -hmm. And we're just thankful for how um, you've used us. I thank you, Lord, that you've used me and Jody in all different ways that we never thought uh, possible. And Lord, I know that you want to use others for your glory. And so I mm -hmm. thank you so much for your love and your faithfulness. Just help us, Lord, um, where we struggle. Make us strong and uh, give us vision for for something new in our lives. There, There's a change on the horizon and just help us be ready for that change. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for tuning in. And now, dear friends, I leave you with a blessing from Psalm 90, verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on you establishing the work of your hands. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.